hello. Um, just a wee uh, word of warning before we start. We've had some sound gremlings uh, get into the system this evening, so uh, we lost John a couple of times. Uh, for some reason, Skype wasn't playing ball tonight. So um, John does sound slightly different towards the end of the podcast than he does at the start. Um, we've tried to edit out so you don't notice when people drop in and out. Um, but hopefully overall you will enjoy this podcast. It's a Glasgow season review. Um, it's our last podcast of the season before we go on a, a mini break and then we'll do some summer specials. Uh, but for a minute, I hope you enjoy it. Hello and uh, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, um, the only rugby podcast that doesn't really give, uh, doesn't really care about anything south of Watford, so um, people can leave us as many two-star reviews as they want, bemoaning the fact that we don't care anything about anything south of uh, Watford, but that's not going to change a thing, is it boys? We shall, we will occasionally, I'm not sure about that. Permanently, perhaps. Um, anyway, um, I am Cami Black, and um, it is our Glasgow season review podcast. Um, and joining me on our journey through um, the highs, mediums, and lows of Glasgow's season, uh, it's John Anderson. Hi there, folks. And uh, Ian here. Um. We um we should probably start. We didn't we I didn't want to do this um last week during the Edinburgh podcast um because I didn't want to take anything away from our Edinburgh season review. But obviously last week there was the big Glasgow announcement of of the rebrand. What what's your take on that, John? Yeah, Ian, you you like it as well. I mean, it's it's sort of like Hagar the horrible, um, but slightly more angry. quite extreme to sort of rest <laughs> your whole your whole support of a club on on a rebrand of a of a badge i mean it the last one i think i described the last one it looked like an angry sky uh dish installation man had come asking where you wanted your dish <laughs> this is a much more mod it's a much more modern take i mean look at other sports teams um it's a much more modern bolder take um on on a sports badge? I mean, it's not... The, the other one was a bit outdated, was it not? It certainly was, yeah. Um, and there was also issues regarding if... And I, had, I hadn't actually ever noticed this till, uh, till I heard about it. The, the shield on the old badge uh, actually has a night tick on it. Oh, well, there you go. And that was part of the consideration. Um, we wanted just to make sure that that was not an issue. Uh, I know, obviously, as well, that the new... Badge is much more um, digital friendly for this wonderful world of Tinderweb that we live in. So, um, yeah, it's much more modern. Yeah, I mean, it looks, I think I described it as it looks very metal. You sure did, yes. It's uh, something like the, the, the most metal of, uh, of all the badges. Um, so, we'll be, we'll be getting, uh, we'll get, getting some tunes. I tried a, a chat with uh, the pen as well, and he's. He, I'm I'm for full spandex and face paints for the boys on the pitch next year. 
it, it is an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I think people are warm to it. I think it's a bit. It's a, there's been. I'm always sort of skeptical how pe- much people genuinely actually do hate these things. It's quite a hard thing to have strong feelings about. Um, I, mean, I mean, this is like the, the third or fourth iteration of the Glasgow badge. Anyway, it's not like it's been one that's been around for. It's like a Hearts or a Rangers or a Celtic badge that's been around since year dot. Is it? Yeah. Players were also saying, um, as part of the, the consultation for this, the players were saying, you know, 23, a 23-year-old badge is actually older than some of the players. <laughs> um, and you, the, the warrior itself is partially, it, it's sort of styled on a design that they have internally. So, um, just, just sort of looking yeah, at it. It's what it means more to them. It looks a bit like Josh Strauss. Yeah, somebody... Uh, Sean Lamont, I think, is the clue. We we actually found. I think there, there is a photograph of Sean Lamont that you found, John. That that was a gif, in fact, of him doing his hair, and it looks absolutely bang on. I think the Thistle lads have said it looks exactly like Nathan Bombrey's the CEO of Glasgow as well. So whether he's whether he's just modelled that on himself to give it, you know a legacy or something like that. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, we'll see where that goes. Um, the other, I mean, some, somebody did comment to me on Twitter that they, they didn't like the mouth. And I actually, I played around and I took the mouth away. And if you take the mouth away, it looks like a startled owl. So we have to think that designers do know what they're doing with these sorts of things. Um, we'll, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. I've decided to do, because I, I, Ember and Glasgow, rather unhelpfully for podcasts that want to do season reviews, uh, do the fixture lists for the Heineken Cup and the Pro 14 separately, which is no good when you're wanting to go through a full season review. Um, so what I thought we'll do, and it's probably a bit more apt with Glasgow as well, is try and look at them separately anyway. So we'll, we'll go through the Glasgow Pro 14. I know a few people were a bit upset that we didn't look at the Pro 14 final. Um, and I said last week, this is the reason for that is because they lost. So there didn't really seem much point you know, opening up fresh wounds and, and examining them too closely at that point. Yeah, this seemed like a more more apt uh, opportunity to, to look at the season as a whole. Now, I've said in advance to the boys, um, Sandy last week, who's our Ember correspondent, got in five digs against Glasgow. So I'm allowed between Ian, because Rory and me are neutral, so between Ian and John, you're allowed five digs tonight. So that's the rules to make sure we're impartial. We don't want to be accused of bias at all. So those are the rules tonight. Um, with the Embra podcast, I did ask Sandy and Rory to imagine what Embra, if this is Embra's difficult second album, what would it be? Um, tonight for the Glasgow, I asked Ian and John, um, if this is the sequel to Glasgow's Dave Rennie's sort of first film, what, what, what sequel is it and why? So Ian, what, what did you come up with? Okay, it's interesting. Um, who who does the Terminator thumb death at the end? <laughs> Stuart Hall. Stuart. <laughs> 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 of course he was. Oh, yeah, there's heartbreaking, isn't it? Like lowering himself in the molten pit. <laughs> John, what did you go for with this? So what, Harvey 
is two, Harvey Two Faces Leinster in this analogy. So we have. So now, now we have to hunt Glasgow because they're not the they're not the heroes that the Pro Fourteen need. But what they're not the the heroes that the Pro Fourteen deserve, but the ones they need right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's dig number one. I should have a little bell like, ding! Um, I went for an intro. I put this out on Twitter and we, we, we had one response, which is Ian Bruce Naylor has, has agreed with me. It's the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Ian says, despite adverse events at the ends, there's a lot of hope and expectation going into the next instalment. I, I went slightly differently. I thought it was a, a much more solid outing than the first one um it kind of sagged in the middle and ultimately uh they lost to an evil empire at the end <laughs> i'm just hoping that uh there's no ewoks next season um well he never nick Grigg, i nick Grigg, this, this glasgow's ewok um i'm try i was trying to work out if there was any landos in in uh this season the only thing i could come up with is possibly sean maitland playing for saracens but that was as close as i got for a, to a lando um, the Pro 14 then, let's start there. I mean, it's interesting, John, I've dug up a couple of your articles um, for, for pre-season. Um, you had a look forward at the 2018-19 season, um, and the key question you had was, who plays 10? Adam Hastings, Peter Horn out of position, Nick Frisbee, Brandon Thompson, or Stuart Hogg? Um, I, I mean, at the end of the season, have we answered that question? And Ian, I mean, one concern I think a lot of Glasgow fans had at the start of the season was the lack of recruitment. Is that something now we come to the end of the season? Do you think that's still been an issue this season or, or were some of those fears allayed with maybe some of the players that weren't technically signings but kind of came through? Yeah. I know. I mean, I think we'll, we'll come to that as we go through the season. I mean, the first game. I mean, first up, we got Connacht, and it was an odd, an odd game, wasn't it? It was quite tight. I mean, I think was it Adam Hastings ended up on the Connacht branded uh, chair of shame, or did he refuse to sit on it? Didn't he? I think it was um, quite rightly too. Um, but I, I mean, you got the first round of games all fairly solid. Twenty six, you know, beaten Connacht away by one point, twenty five ten at home to Munster, which I don't think anyone really saw coming, and then fifty two twenty four away at the uh, Cheetahs. So th- those first three games, you're thinking all's nice and rosy, aren't you? I mean, you're going to make me say it, aren't you? <laughs> you're going to make me move on to it, aren't you? So those first three games, and then we get the Southern Kings, <laughs> 38-28. And that was not an understrength Glasgow side by any stretch, was it? I mean, we're not in, we're not in the autumn tests. We're not a Six Nations break. There's, uh, 
in retrospect and at the time there was really no excuse for that the result was there Ian Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, thirty-one nil down after half time, um, John. I mean, they, they have. I mean, Glasgow have talked since about the fact that that was a turning point in the season. But I mean, should it have happened in the first place, or do you think it needed to happen? Um, I think. I think actually, um, I think I talked about this at the time, but I think it was a little bit of a hangover from from the the end of the previous season. Uh, and yes, we started relatively well, but again, teams are always finding their feet in those first few fixtures. Um, coming off of uh, summer internationals and things like that, people are coming back, people are injured. So we, we, we got a good run, but I think we probably were still very complacent in what kind of team we were. And uh, yeah, it, it had to happen, and I'm glad it happened when it did. I mean, to be honest, I, I was banned from being emotional with the television after that. But very, very upset. Pete Gordon, I think, took some of the took some of my uh, um, ire from that day. Um, but yeah, it was it was just it was indicative of a side that had perhaps started to bleed a lot the hype around mm. them. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting looking at it. So you've got from, from back to front, you've got Ruri Jackson, Tommy Seymour, Hugh Jones, Nick Grigg, DTH van der Merwe, Pete Horn, Nick Frisby, Jamie Batty, George Turner, Darcy Ray, Greg Peterson, Scott Cummings, Ryan Wilson, Chris Fusaro and Adam Ash. That's, that's, a, that's a first choice team. That's yeah. Team. So you've got Greg Peterson, admittedly, I think, you know, as Ian has said, you know, probably that we found out a little bit in that game. But anybody else, I mean, you perhaps... I mean, Rui Jackson, I mean, we can't say he's not doing a game. You're your new best friend, even though he didn't give you any gym, um, John. Um, you know, he's uh, yeah, he's he's a good, he's a squad player and a very solid one. I can't, there's nobody, there's nobody in there, apart from Nick Frisby and Greg Peterson, that would weaken, you would say, you know, weakens the Glasgow side. Would you, Ian? Uh, well, maybe positionally. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, uh, well, I think that was probably Adam Ash's first start of the season. Uh, first start of the season. Um, he he certainly came on our game. Um, he was very good over the autumn period. Um, I'm not. We'll maybe get onto this later if we talk about recruitment. But there's a couple of names in there. Uh, if I wonder, you know, is there going to be other options? Uh, Nick Grigg playing at twelve, not his natural position as well. Mm. Was it no, the other the other theory there could be that because the longer game plan is to have George Horn 
nine that they need that he needs to go on his knees just so that the rest of the team can do the plays. Height wise, so he's the same height. Um, thankfully though, thankfully, um, that did seem to be a bit of a turning point. I know that you listened to the Warriors weekly podcast, they did talk, you know, Adam Ash and the other players that have come on have talked about that game a lot throughout the season. Um, you get, a, you know, a 29-13 win away at Dragons, although, you know, winning, no, win at home to Dragons, apologies. Um, but winning at home to Dragons, I mean, really that's a given for any team in the Pro 14 these days. Um, 36-8 uh, for Zebra. I mean, you know, beat Zebra, didn't you? Unlike uh, Enbra. Um, I'll, that, that, that no, that doesn't. That was from me. That's a freebie. Oh. <laughs> um, I know I will. Um, and then, you know, away to Munster, 24-25. So it really was, I mean, the, the next three games, I mean, apart from the loss to Munster, but again, it's away. They're not, you know, they're, they, it, there does seem to be a reaction from Glasgow, John, to that to that loss, and that's you know that maybe sort of wouldn't have been true of Glasgow in the past. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, I I think particularly second season, Dave Rennie has. He, I think he knows a lot more about his players, and, and he knows who needs the rocket, who needs the, the arm around the shoulder. They talk about that in the Warriors Weekly podcast as well uh, through the season. You know that that there's different motivating factors and there's different ways to get people's performance and Rennie seems to he seems to be able to understand that a bit more about the players now than he maybe did last season the loss to Munster let's uh, you know that was only because of some top class um, jobby housery from Omani and Stander at the end I was shocking wasn't it that really yeah. was yeah. <laughs> did the referee apologise afterwards didn't he um, I'm not sure if he did actually Wilkinson? No, I think it was Whitehouse. Is it Whitehouse? I, he, he, he apologised uh, afterwards. He went, or, ah, ah, he, well, he should have if he didn't, because it was shocking. But, yeah, that, that, that was such a gutting game, because... Well, I even stopped playing Red Dead Redemption 2, so I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> The one thing that's interesting, and it maybe is a benefit to Glasgow as a result of Ember's upturn in form, although that maybe hasn't helped Ember, is that Glasgow do better during the autumn break than maybe they have done in the past considerably so to a certain extent. Because you get the you know, um, 29-20 win away at Ospreys, 40-15 at Blues, and then 29-20 at Scarlets. And that's, in the past, Glasgow wouldn't have had as many players available, would you say, Ian? Yeah, they were actually so got yeah the win away to Ospreys, win at home against the Blues, um, and then the win again at home uh, to the Scarlets. It's not, yeah, and I think that there has been, and this is probably the story of Glasgow season that they've they've got in terms of the depth compared to Edinburgh, and this that's another freebie because it was me and not one of you, but in terms of this, and we talked about this during the Edinburgh podcast, is that Glasgow have got so much more squad depth in that they seem to have players that can just come in and not just established players like um, Swinson or Harley, but but like younger players like um, McDowell and Stain who just come in and fit into the systems. I mean, you, you kind of wonder what that's down to. Is it that they're getting a better class of players or do you think it's that the fringe players are much more involved day-to-day with the squad? I don't think Edinburgh have the same in their backs in particular they don't have the same 
quality back up than we do. Um, you know, you think uh, of their, their wing options. I mean, Archie Graham's come in and he's, he's really made a big difference, but again, he's one that's come up through the system, uh, through the age grades and sevens. Um, maybe it's just that Dave Rennie influences game plan better, or uh, maybe the players that he's recruited are just more suited to, to what he wants to do. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I mean, you, you know, you look at um, Ember had Christine and James Johnson who were able to fill in um, for most of the season with Scott and Bennett being out. But Glasgow have had such, you know, you look at where the centres that Glasgow start with. I think it was Grig and I think it's Grig and Horn they started with, didn't they? Um, no, it's Jones and Grig. I think even they start there, and then to end with, I mean, who do you end up with the Pro Fourteen? You've got Stain and um, Johnson in the final. I mean, that's. It's you look at the depth in Glasgow's backs, and it's frightening to a certain extent, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at, I mean, just consider the centre options we've got. Uh, you know, Sam Johnson, who's now pretty much nailed on the twelve shirt for Scotland, and I've been a big fan of his for years, uh, the last couple of years. But he's had a fair few injury problems. I think even sort of um, last uh, the last open series, I was bigging him up, and then he got injured. Summer, he might have been eligible, um, but again, he got, got injured before he could get in. Um, so you've got Johnson, Pete Horn, both 12s. So Stafford McDowell could fit in 12 and 13, Jones and Grigg, and now Kyle Stain as well. So that's six centres, and all of them are well, they're all jostling for positions. You know, Kyle Stain's come in and basically kicked, kicked Hugh Jones out of the team. Um, Hugh Jones seems to have fallen out of favour with Dave Rennie. Uh, so he's, he's going to need to have a really big World Cup, I think, to try and prove to Rennie that he's, you know, he's good enough to play, um, to be first choice. And it's such an odd thing, isn't it? Because it was at the start of the season we were, look- obviously even mid-season we were looking at potentially Hugh Jones, it was mid-season wasn't it, potentially Hugh Jones moving to Leicester and the SRU presumably did a lot of work to keep him at Glasgow. And you wonder now, looking at the end of the season, to what end would it not have been better for both him and Glasgow if if he'd gone, do you think? Of course. That's a, that's a whole host of them. I think they've you know, all been either capped or, in the case of Stain and McDowell, been in the most recent training camps. Um, so well, no, McDowell, was it McDowell's? Would McDowell get called up at the at the end of the yeah. Six Nations into the wider training camp at one point? Yes, yes, it did, yes. So, you know, they've all been involved in the international setup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this, this Hugh Jones case, like you were saying about uh, his interest in Leicester. He was one of the, the big sort of Christmas present signings that were announced. Um, and I'm sorry, I've just been distracted by John Anderson's coupon turning up on Skype. <laughs> Hello, John. You back? Oh, webcam on. You got the webcam on? Ooh. I yeah, I don't know how to turn it off. Oh, there you are. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to see John's wee room. We don't normally get. We don't normally have our cameras on, so I get to see where John John's recording from now. Yeah, we don't. You've not got you've not got strips on the wall like Alan Dimmick does when uh, we speak to him. Oh no no no! I'm not as fancy that. I'm working. I'm trying to work out how to turn this body. Mm. There we go. Turn the video off. Right, gone. Woo! He thinks he's gone. I can still see him. That's fine. I'll just ignore you. <laughs> There's a reason why we're not vloggers, uh, listeners. Um, you've joined us just in time, John, and I was saving this. Um, let's look at the back-to-back 1872 Cup games. Have we lost him? We've actually lost him again, haven't we? All right, I thought you'd gone all together purely because I mentioned the 1872 back-to-back games. That's two. Um, you know, we 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 ended up in the Champions Cup. They didn't. That's three. Use your use your last two wisely, John. That's only, you know that's all I'm saying. I think you've had I think you've had three of the five so far as well. So we give leave some spare for Ian. I'm already pleased you've got here. 
I mean, what? I mean, I'll, I'll turn to you Ian, and give you an opportunity here. What do you think? It was a case then that just it, it, it's like John says that these are now become. We talked about this in the Ember podcast a little bit. That then we're now kind of at the point where there is a proper rivalry between. Ember and Glasgow, and I know you, you look at all the promo videos that they produce for these things to try and hype everybody, and the players talk about the rivalry that they've always had, but actually, I, I think, particularly the last couple of seasons, there's now a real proper rivalry between the fans, and I know that sometimes spills in over into nastiness, but at the same time, it's quite, an, it's quite a, a healthy, nice thing to have a bit of rivalry. Do you think that's... These are kind of anomalies, then, that, 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 that we should view the 1872 games in isolation? And the other side of that, John, of course, is at the start of the season, we thought we were going to end up with two the, the same 3-2 split in terms of 1872 games because we it looked like Scott, they were, the SRU were veering towards reviving Super Saturday because it had been such a success the first time around. Do you think that's... Do, do you think Glasgow fans will feel vindicated at the end given that overall they lost? You can have an extra one for that, by the way, because I'll, I'll class that as a dig. You can get six now. You're back to three, three digs at Edinburgh. Okay. No, no. <laughs> That's you. Don't you got two left now? You got two into the into the basement. Definitely counts. It is not a basement. It is a back pitch. <laughs> you got all two left. I've lost count now. We've got we've got something coming up that might redress the balance anyway. Um the, we the, very true. If you build it they will come, but nobody's coming if you're not gonna build it. Um I think I said to Edinburgh Rugby on Twitter the other day that we'll all still be drinking on the back pitches come the Six Nations. <laughs> um the interesting thing, I mean, they did kind of knock Glasgow a little bit those two games because you get to the fifth of January and you get a loss to Benetton. Now I know Benetton this season obviously made the playoffs, different kind of Benetton, but still that's although it was a waste. That game you kind of would have expected Glasgow to win, or do you think kind of the the, the Ember results knocked them for six, Ian? Came off the back of some criticism he received 
during the autumn test, particularly that game against Wales at the Principality, and yeah, he had, he had a couple of poor matches. Um, yeah, you would expect us to be better than if we can go away to, to Leinster and win there and beat pretty much every other team. Um, teams with higher prestige, you know, we, uh, you'd expect that, but yeah, there was, there was still definitely a bit of a, I think the confidence had been sapped. Yeah. Yeah, it was a stinking game, but it was one of those games, you know, Glasgow always have this reputation for trying to be the fancy dance, um, but to grind that out, uh, it was, I mean, it was honking conditions, um, but they just needed just to get a little bit of confidence from a, a scrappy win. Yeah, because it'd been, it'd been three losses on the bounce at that point, and that's pretty unusual for Glasgow. And it's interesting because a couple of things. I mean, one is the Adam Hastings thing because obviously the, there is that dip in form, and I think Rennie dropped him for a couple of games or put, benched him, and then he kind of came. He comes back very strongly. And the other thing that we we probably we need to talk about, and I'm I was kicking myself that we never actually called it this when it happened, but the Gray Nascence, which is Johnny Gray's absolutely blistering return to form, you know, sort of kind of peaks around the. I say peaks kind of carried on after that, but it's that that Leinster game, um, way to Leinster, thirty nine twenty four, and he's forty two tackles. It's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I kind of, I mean, I guess to a certain extent that his drop in form and, and Rennie, I mean, Rennie dropped him, didn't he, to the bench for that, the Saracens uh, quarterfinal. But that kind of allowed Scott Cummings to come in. To a certain extent, Scotland benefit doubly from that, the sort of like the pre Renaissance period where there's the drop in form, Scott Cummings gets some game time, and then. Johnny Gray goes away, does some thinking, comes back, and you know, and absolutely beasts everything before him. And you now have a situation where Scott Cummings has, has jumped ahead of Richie Gray in the pecking order, and we've got Johnny Gray back to his best. Yeah, um, I'm going to come back to the final in a minute because I kind of want to talk about it in the same context as the quarterfinal against Saracens because I think there's the, there are parallels, I think, between Leinster and Saracens and the way that they both play and, and Glasgow needn't find a way to overcome that. So we'll maybe talk about the quarterfinal and the final together. Um, but much much better in Europe overall this year, do you think? Saracens and Scotland and I did not fancy our chances. I thought we were going to get scalped 
uh, instead it was a very competitive game, uh, even the, the away game. Uh, we had a few injury problems, um, but we were competitive up until the last sort of 15, 20 minutes and the scoreline kind of flattered Saracens a wee bit at the end. Uh, with regards to the final, um, the bad news is that I haven't seen it. Because <laughs> of course you were in America, weren't you? Well, that's good because I watched most of the second half, Ian. So we're there, aren't we? So <laughs> between the two of us, we should be able to do something to while we wait for John to sort his headset out. Um, I mean, the, the, there's this question mark I think that's still hanging over Glasgow at the end of the season is that they can't seem to get past teams like Leinster and Saracens when they're at full strength. I mean, we, the, the, there's that game against Leinster, away to Leinster, but that it's not a full strength Leinster and it's a league game, which is very different to kind of playing a team in a final or playing in a sort of knockout tournament rugby and it's that I mean I, I kind of I touched upon it last week when we were the other week and when we were doing the Ember podcast is that you, you have these two giants of European rugby in Saracens and Leinster and they're very similar in the way that they've built the game around a very strong defence and counter attack and I want, a part of me wonders how, whether or not that's about to have its day and at, but but similarly, I think Glasgow are going to at some point have to find a way to break that down, and they're not going to do it by playing Saracens and Leinster at their own game. They're going to have to find a way of a different way of getting through. Do you think? Yeah. Um, but it is just a way, you know, like you said, you know, just need to try and figure out a way to to stop, uh, to counteract it. Um, and it does rely on quality ball retention, uh, good decision making, and just basically not giving them any opportunities. Do you think that's something that Glasgow can do? Do they have the players to do? Do they have the players in the discipline to do it? Is that part of the issue? Yes, I think it is. Um, you know, it's yeah, I mean, at the basics. Rugby is very simple game. You know, it's just take ball, get past that person, get territory, eventually you'll score. Obviously, it's a lot more complex than that. Um, and also, maybe we need to learn how to be um, more streetwise, as they say. Uh, and one thing is, you know, they have 
maintain the ball, they always seem to, to get points when they have possession. And we don't. Um, same with Scotland. Uh, and even like if you look at the Edinburgh Munster game, you know, when Edinburgh had plenty of territory and possession and chances to score, they didn't. Whereas Munster took their chances. Yeah. So looking back then at the end of the season, I mean, the, the, we've touched on recruitment a little bit and I think Glasgow, have, like you said, Glasgow, maybe not from the players that you might have identified at the start of the season. It's not, looking back, it's not been bad, but you are losing quite a quite a, a figure at the club in Stuart Hogg and there's not any indication that he's being replaced, is there? Um, no, I mean, Stuart Hogg is, you know, he's probably the, he's one of the sort of talismanic figures of Scottish rugby at the moment, um, if not the talismanic figure. Uh, he's world class, there's no um, two ways about it. Alright, there's maybe an error or two in his game, like he's at the charge down uh, that Leinster scored, which I didn't, that's one bit I didn't actually see. Um, <laughs> Nathan Gompier, as I said, there's a couple of players that have been signed up. Um, we'll be with them soon enough. But we don't know if, if that is if Hogg's going to be directly replaced or I've heard you know, there's a possibility that Stafford McDowell's going to move to fullback. He's got an absolute siege gun boot on him. Um, big lad, sort of Kinghorn-esque. Um, probably a better defender than Kinghorn. Um, or there's a possibility that Seymour could go to the back, uh, fullback. No, we've got John back with us, have we? Hello, John. Hello. Um, yeah, we were just talking about the loss of Stuart Hogg. I mean, it, it, like Ian was saying, there's no indication that he's being replaced directly. Is that a worry for next season? Yeah, it turns out all our, uh, all our speculation and uh, conjecture was completely nonsense. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's a wee bit worrying. Um, I, th- I think I think we will see someone come through that again. There's there's talk of a youngster coming through that would, you know, David Rennie made it, made it quite clear when he said, you know, someone had to give Hoggy a, a, a shot nine years ago. So I think we'll see a youngster replace him. I don't think we'll see a big name. Yeah, and in terms of other areas that Glasgow need to strengthen, then John, any any big Concerns you I mean um, we were while well, well, we lost you. Um, Ian was maybe saying that, that that Johnny Gray could do with playing a little bit less next season. Oh, could he ever? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, he puts a, puts a lot of minutes in, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I think I think Glasgow are a bit light at second row. Um, they've had not had their injury troubles this year. Um, I think as well, there's they continue to cry out for. You know, for a for a, a, a big ball carrying eight, maybe Matt Fagerson. He seems to be the first choice at the moment, but I think we might need one more there just to give. Because I know Tamil was just he's just announced uh, that's been announced he's off to uh, Major League Rugby. Um, seems to be on loan, but I think it's a I think it's a Hugh Blake style loan. Right. Um, yeah, another another there. And I think they're a bit light at prop as well. Yeah. yeah with Bass, leaving, uh, which I thought yeah, was yeah. awfully strange because, I mean, if he was, he was basically back up to bet, uh, Kevin, and now he's moving along the M8, he's just going to be back up to Schoon, so I don't really see the point in that. Um, he continues his form to the end of the season, he's not going to be back up to Schoon for very long. Yeah, yeah. He's excellent the last few games. Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose there's Alex Allen there, uh, lock. Andrew Davidson's signed up. Is, is he going to be a first choice, or is he going to be sort of uh, you know filling in when the when the big boys are away? Yeah, I mean you could always you could always ask for Daryl Marfo in return. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not wouldn't be the last time an Ember career has been revived at Glasgow, would it? No. no. Okay. Um, overall then, Ian, good season or bad season for Glasgow? Uh, good season. Um, not a complete success, obviously, because there's no silverware. Um, that defeat to Saracens in the quarterfinal was rather chastening. But I think that did certainly, as Dave Rennie said, you know, rockets were fired um, up to Derry Um 
but no, there was, uh, like I said there, you know, I thought, although still wasn't perfect, ball retention was better because we didn't turn over the ball as often. Because I thought in the first season there was some sort of mad offloading going on, which was never going to go to hand. Um, as our good friend Kevin Miller pointed out, more tries scored this season than uh, the previous season. I think it was 141, I think he said it was. Um, and I didn't think there was an extra extra bit of aggression in defence. I thought the defence had looked a lot better. Uh, Kevo made the big difference at the scrum. Um, but one thing I do think still needs a bit of work on is that maybe discipline, especially against teams like Leinster. Um, but no, I'd say it was a, a good season. Uh, very good season. You agree with that, John? Yes, absolutely. Yes, and that, this isn't just a, the we agree all the time sort of agree. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a, a real season of progress for Glasgow. I think particularly what we needed to see was the peaking at the right time, and we got that this year. And from, on a personal note, it was it was a, a really good season because obviously I predicted exactly how it would go. So, <laughs> so watch. Watch, watch out for John's column uh, early next season and see if he can predict it again. Um, I should just mention, I meant to mention before that we are covering the under twenties um, through Kevin Miller on the blog. So we're not we're not covering it in the uh, podcast, but we are uh, covering it on, over on the blog. Um, if you want to check out that, um, we're going to move on. Then we we that we've done Glasgow season. Let's just do let's just do this if I can make it work. Well, we're Yeah, it's time for Where's Dougie Donnelly. We've got a bit of a Where's Dougie Donnelly uh, Glasgow special. Um, Craig Manson gets in touch via the Twitter. He says, his Where's Dougie Donnelly is Mike Blair enjoying the sights and sounds of Heart Hill Services eastbound, resplendent in a Glasgow kit. He says, I've been saving this so a dyed-in-the-wool Edinburgh fan can elbow his way into a Glasgow season review. So... Uh, I think you've got two left. I'll give you maybe two and a half, boys, just if you want to catch up in the in a bit. Um, also, um, Scott McDonald got in touch with this is a while ago, um, but I haven't read it out yet. Which he um, bumped into the Glasgow team in Dublin Airport as they arrived for the Leinster game, and he said he spoke to Dave, they spoke to Dave Rennie, and uh, he uh, asked Dave if he had any advice, and uh, Dave said, "Don't drink too much Guinness. I don't want to read in the newspapers that Glasgow fans are embarrassing themselves." Um, so. If you've got anything that you want to go, what were you saying, John? I said that's good advice. It's very good advice. I think I think we could perhaps that's something that Glasgow could think about next season for um marketing is get Dave Dave Rennie to do an advice advice column on the Warriors uh, Warriors Weekly podcast. Get people to write in letters. Yeah. If 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 they won't do that and they're willing to give us Dave Rennie once a week, we we'll happily get people to write in with their problems and get Dave Rennie to solve them. Um, we'll. I think that's it for uh, where's Doogie Donnelly's this season. Um, if you want to get in touch with, because I didn't do this at the start, but if you want to get in touch with things like where's Doogie Donnelly's, if you spot anyone out and about, or you've got anything that's particularly bothering you, you want to do, send us your hands in the ruck. Then you can go to the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, you can visit us on Twitter at scottrugbyblog or at Cami Black, and we're on Instagram too and Facebook. Um, you can also email us podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk as well. Um, before we go, though, we should always have a go at doing this. That's right, it's Hands in the Ruck. It's the any other business section of the podcast before we sign off for this season. Um we did an Ember one last year, uh, last week, sorry, and um, we'll do a Glasgow one this week. My hand's in the rock, and it's shared by, um, and I've got to find out who said this on Twitter, it is shared by um, Thorfinn the Red. I don't think that's his real name, unless we have actual Vikings listening to us. But Thorfinn the Red says his hand's in the rock is Ryan Wilson. Uh, he said being picked because he's just a good lad. And apart from that, not having a decent flanker for Glasgow. I actually think it's an interesting one, uh, Ryan Wilson. I'm not, he's kind of dropped off at the end of the season. A lot of young guys pushing him, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next season, given he was co captain. I would be 
surprised if Wilson's captain next season with Gibbons, given the way his season ended, or am I being am I writing him off too soon, chaps? John, do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And I think I could, I could add to that as well. I think Wilson's... Uh, obviously, you've got options with Wilson at six and eight. And I think with the way Rob Harley's played this season, you're more likely to see him as a co-captain uh, than, than Ryan Wilson. Um, I think I think what Glasgow are more likely to do this year. I know there was a bit of a fad for co-captains for a wee while. But I think more likely we'll see Cully as, as the captain of the side with, obviously, when he's not playing, we would have, have a Wilson or a Harley or, or someone who's you know, a more experienced player being, being the leader out there. But I think the role of captain, I think it's changing and I think, um, I think it's more, more now than ever about that referee communication and I yeah. think there's, there's plenty of players in that classical team who can communicate well with referees um, I don't necessarily think Ryan Wilson's one of those yeah, and we've touched on that in the podcast before, haven't we? That you need that you know the, your, your named captain isn't necessarily the captain; it's just the go-to man to speak to the referee. So what you need you need a diplomat in that role. Wilson, for all his talents, um, as he has not mastered the diplomacy. No, the man the man who booed every single England player as they were announced at the Rugby World Cup awards a year ago is not not the man for diplomacy. Um. <laughs> It's very funny, yeah. I mean, you can't get away from that, but yeah, it, diplomacy is not his strong point. Um, Ian, you're, have you got hands in the ruck for Glasgow this season? Um, I did, I've forgotten it. I was, well, uh, yeah, it's been something that's been annoying me for a while. Uh, it's more from other sides as well. Uh, and maybe we should help ourselves out. Stop booing the kicker. I know John doesn't feel as passionate about this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, but we're getting a, a name as being... Well, we've we've got a solution. I think we've we've found a solution to this. Now, there's two things. I think as 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 various people have pointed out on social media, this is the, the not booing a kicker thing is a new thing. It's newer than people think. They've been doing it in France. For, yeah, they've been doing it in France for years. It's not really. It's it, it's a bit like do you know what? it's a bit like Brexit. We don't want to get too political on this podcast, but I think people have a rose tinted view of what it was like in the past, and it wasn't necessarily as rose tinted or as non booey as people believe it was. Um, I think the solution is not that we stop booing. We shouldn't give in to the Irish bully boys, because let's face it, it's mostly from Ireland, the people that get upset about us booing. I think, and this is this is going to be a podcast we're going to do during the summer, is the rules of being a Scottish rugby fan. I think what we do is we write down the rules that we must abide by as being a Scottish rugby fan, and one of those rules will be we boo the kicker. And we might set up within that subcategories where we will and will not boo, so it might be we'll boo you if you take too long. It might be we boo you if we disagree with the decision. It might be we boo you if you're Johnny Sexton. We might ca- we we might add some further explanation. But I think if we if we then get flack 
for booing the kicker, we can at least refer people to the rules and say, look, we can't do it. This is We've drawn up rules. This is what we do. A bit like the French, because the French get away with it because we're French. So we need to have something that says, we're Scottish. This is what we do. Get over it. We're going to boo your kicker. That's what's going to happen. Get over it. We're not entering any further dialogue. A bit like the guy today that came at me, and it wasn't even my tweet. It was Rory's tweet about Warren Gatlin being announced as a Lions coach. And Rory made a very satirical point saying, some along the lines of Warren Gatlin being announced as a Lions coach is a bit like the next uh, Tory leadership uh, candidate. Um, ultimately, Scotland are going to get screwed, whatever happens. And it was it was quite a funny throwaway tweet. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, we had a, a, a bloke from Wales saying, please explain your tweet. I can't do Welsh accent. And I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's a joke, mate. And he was like, I don't understand. You know, what do you mean Warren Gatlin didn't pick it? And I was like, this is a three and a half year old debate and it's a joke. And I kind of feel, I don't, you know, you're right, Ian, we shouldn't have to explain ourselves every time. I don't think the answer is stopping booing. I think the answer is we double down until people stop getting annoyed about it or stop asking us about it. Exactly. And that's it. And if, if it, yeah, you're outvoted, Ian. I think so. Yeah, let's just go. Let's go full hot. Let's just like forget about flight. Let's just go for it. I've said before. I, mean, I think Alan Dimmick made a really good point. A few, I think about a year ago on the podcast that people pay the money to get into the stadium. You should be able to, apart from you know, obviously like throwing abuse at each other or fighting you should be able to do whatever you want inside a stadium you've paid like 60, 70, 80 quid to go and watch a game of rugby boo the kicker all you want so yes <laughs> double down on it Ian that's the answer John will tell you Maybe make a video, John. Eh? Yes. Um, John, have you got hands in the rock? Yeah, I mean, at the time, when we we were talking about this earlier when we lost you, but it was a Christmas present signing, wasn't it, where they did those strange, that sort of like advent calendar announcement, didn't they? And at the time, I don't think you would question it. I think in hindsight, you wonder whether or not it was actually worth it paying him, throwing in some money to stop him going from Leicester. Maybe he should have just been allowed to go to Leicester. But yeah, I think there's, I think, and I think that's, I kind of get from a marketing point of view that they're looking to keep the poster boys, but there's plenty of, it only takes a couple of games to get, a, you know, an SRU poster boy through, doesn't it? It's not, you know, they've lost Hog, they've, I think they could have afforded to lose Jones as well without Glasgow taking a hit. No, he's 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 a, he's poster boy enough for everyone, isn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know, Can you tell your boys? Imagine Nigel saying, "Come on now, you need to stop infringing at the rocks." I have no idea. Am I playing rugby? What's going on? Um, so it is Glasgow related 
but obviously we've mentioned it in the past but I just want to give a final nod to the retirement of King Richie of Vernon uh, first of his name yep. um, you know it's, it's really important and to be honest any season where Glasgow went into the season minus Richie Vernon um, you know to do what we've done this year minus the big man is um, is, is a miracle frankly yep like the like the rooks leaving the Tower of London, it's amazing that that Scotston's still standing. Is it rooks or crows? Anyway, um, <laughs> on that note, on that sad sad note, um, that's it from us this season. We are preparing some special one-off podcasts. They will pop up as and when we get round to doing them. Um, like we said last week, we're going to have a nineteen ninety-one semi-final review uh, a 2015 quarter-final we're going to go back and revisit that I've still got that on my UView box so I'm going to watch that back um, just because those are the kind of pinnacles of, of, of Scotland's achievements in the in the Rugby World Cup to date uh, we've got an episode on the rules of being a Scottish rugby fan uh, we boo the kicker is definitely one of them we've established that tonight um, and then we're also going to have a bit of a build your own adventure uh, going on too they'll come out closer to uh close to the the, the, the warm-up games happening at the end of August. Um, in the meantime, drop us a line. The blog will still be going on. Uh, we'll still be putting things up sporadically on the blog uh, over the summer, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. So get involved in the comments. Please try and play nice. I'm fed up of banning people, bringing down... It's known as the known as the cam ban um, <laughs> on our uh, little writer's thread that we have, a secret writer's group that we've got. Um, I don't want to wield the cam ban over the over the summer what a nice quiet summer so please behave yourselves uh, on there but uh, for the minute it's goodbye from me and goodbye from uh, ian and john <laughs>